Hello, this is Lex, and welcome to the Next Step Remote Podcast, where I have the pleasure to interview some of the best remote work experts from all over the world. In each episode, we cover a topic, success story, or challenge to help you make remote work work. Enjoy. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. Today, I'll be talking about onboarding. And to tackle the topic, I've invited Angelina Ebeling, the founder and CEO of Acework, the remote talent platform connecting vetted candidates with remote career opportunities. Angelina has expertise in transitioning companies to flexible working and regularly consults teams on effectively hiring remote talent. Angelina, great to have you. Thank you very much for taking the time out of your busy day to join me. Oh, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. My first question that I always like to ask, like to ask everyone is where in the world are you at the moment? That's funny. I ask the same question with usually people that I get on any kind of call because it's so interesting in the remote working world. Um, right now, I'm confined to my home in Berlin. Uh, I'm, I told you earlier, I'm in my kitchen, uh, which is my little home office as well. So actually, it's not that unusual to how I normally work. Um, it still feels very different, though. Everybody's trying to find every bit of space anywhere in the house. I've seen, uh, you can see all the pictures online and some of them funny ones. My favorite ones of uh, adaptations of standing desks and what, pe- what contraptions people build. They're absolutely from- oh, amazing. I, I use my fridge. <laughs> I'm a tall person. I'm a tall German. I can use my fridge. <laughs> I've seen people using a combination of an ironing board and some different kind of books and stands and everything else. So, yeah, I've been experimenting as well. I miss my standing desk I used to have in an office many, many years ago where it's been uh, been a good time. Anyway, that's not the reason we got you on the show. The reason we got you on the show is because you're an expert in all sorts of things in HR talent and onboarding. And, of course, onboarding is a huge topic. Uh, There's a lot of facets to it. So we'll try and tackle and freestyle it as we go throughout the episode. But what I always also like to start with is what in the last few months you've seen in the industry, in the companies companies that you've been working with, what have you noticed that they're doing right and wrong? Because that often provides us a nice kind of um, bunch of segues that we can uh, go into a bit later on in the conversation. Mm, Absolutely. Um, So what we done or what we did for the most part with ace work is we connect vetted talent with um, jobs right or with career opportunities as we call it at companies that are already remote right and most of these companies and we're quite fortunate um have a very good onboarding process already so we learn from companies like help scouts and automatic um, because they have stuff figured out right they're fully distributed we learn the best practices from them and over the past couple of months um we've really seen that companies approach us that don't have those processes yet, right? That, you know, um, expected to have someone in the office, you know, on 1st of April, 1st of May, and that didn't happen because everyone is at home. So that person on their first day would also have to start at home. So I think that was that interesting switch where we now had to, yeah, for us also switch gears and really, you know, transition those companies and help them build those onboarding processes, sometimes from scratch, because you'd be surprised by like how bad an onboarding process at an office can be and be covered up. Right. And we know that remote makes bad processes very visible. I mean, it's a reoccurring topic. Onboarding is no different. I've been onboarded in my career, uh, obviously, a number of times. And one of the worst ones I've had was literally and it's actually I think it's one of common ones. You turn up on the first day, you're being shown to your desk, you're given your laptop and your login details and crack on. 
<laughs> and you know what? To me personally, that's not a big deal because I'm an autonomous autonomous person. I can look after myself. I'm you know proactive in doing things like that. But majority of people are not, and it is so intimidating if you think about it. Or you know starting in any organization and not having anyone to chaperone you or, or just to show you the ropes for the first couple of days. I think that's, that's very poor and on, on the behalf of um, any organization. You mentioned the difference between remote and normal onboarding. Uh, what are the keys uh, that are crucial in remote onboarding that are being highlighted most of all in the last few months when we've moved to remote working? Mm, so the one thing that we've noticed is actually those you know, intuitive offline elements, you know, when you walk into the office that first day and you kind of have these impressions, you see the kitchen, you meet a few new coworkers casually, you know, getting introduced, have those first conversations, um, get that mug, get that coffee, like all those things that, you know, are offline elements of that onboarding of you being in that mindset of like, this is my new job now. This is real. Like, this is not just a signed piece of paper or like, you know, like a gig on the internet. So making it feel real, I think, is one of those key things that suddenly was missing. And then the second part, of course, is um, team culture, company culture, building that, um, you know, trust and communication so that people, you know, you know, even if you're someone who's very independent and can just, you know, dive into a subject matter, like you still want to be aware of the fact that you know that person could run into a problem or a question and you want to make sure that they know how to solve that roadblock i know there's no magic bullet to mm-hmm. anything really and onboarding will be no different um what would you say in terms of kind of duration what is a good onboarding process how long should it last is it a couple of days is it a week is it months because you mentioned culture and obviously that to to be involved in the culture and understand it, that takes a bit of time. Absolutely. I think um, that can probably depend a little bit on the position and the company, right? If you have a company that's fairly big and someone has to work with a lot of different departments, it would generally be longer. Um, We're a relatively small company still, uh, and we've recently onboarded two interns. And for us, the time was two weeks, right? We we had like a two-week, very structured process. Um, but what I would like to mention is that it's not just about the actual onboarding. For us, the onboarding means like day one in the company till like the end of that structured program. There's something that is probably just as important, maybe even more important, which we call pre-boarding, right? Which is essentially the time from the person accepts the offer to that first start date. And here in Germany, um, usually there's quite a bit of time between those two moments, right? Because we have long notice periods, you know, you um, transition out of your old job, maybe you take a little vacation um, and then you, you start your new job, right? So sometimes that's two months, three months, I've seen six months, right? And as a company, like I want my people to get excited and also prepare them in that time, right? Of course, I don't want to ruin the holidays by like giving them tasks to do, but there's a lot you can do beforehand that will make your life so much easier on that first day. You know, when you have, you know, the laptop already with them, they know their accounts, all the accesses are set up you know you have them added to the right slack channels they have their meetings in the calendar all of that done all the paperwork done hr's done you know social security all that so day number one is when you can get excited about the company you can meet your colleagues and you can you know start on the first tasks which is much better than spending like three days just doing boring admin stuff and like logging into the next account that you need kind of thing absolutely you know what i never actually thought of that and 
quickly, as you were talking, I was thinking back of the, the onboarding process I've been part of uh, many, many years ago. Majority of them, if not all, where first day you get dumped with everything, half, you know, half a million questions about your national ID numbers and passport numbers and work permits and everything. Isn't it? But absolutely, that takes so much pressure away from uh, the, the the first day. And it, as, as, as we said earlier, it, is, it can be very daunting. So that's for the candidate that they do a lot of work. I'm guessing you internally, from a HR perspective, do a lot of work in the pre-boarding uh, stage. Mm-hmm. What about the people that the the, the, the new, new hire is going to be working with? Do you do any pre-boarding with them? Mm, at the very minimum, um, those different stakeholders should have you know, those meetings already in their calendar, right? I think that's one of those key things where, oh, this person needs to speak to, I don't know, John, Lucy and Stacey, but John, Lucy and Stacey have a packed week and they literally have no time to speak with that new hire. So I think at least, you know, making them aware that the person is coming, uh, definitely very important. And then also, I guess, you know, if you, let's say you're a marketing team and you wanted that new hire, right? They're coming, like you better have the task tasks prepared for them and not think it on like day one like oh what do we want that person to do so they need to also prepare something easiest thing um you know not to promote any tools here but something like a trello kanban style board where all of these things live right it's like a really easy thing to have everyone um you know be in the same process including a hiring manager including a colleague who you know could even do a pre-recorded video like circling back to what is remote specific you know there's tons of stuff you can do um, in preparation that makes life for asynchronous teams a lot easier you know we've seen that as a best practice you know where in a company a ceo or a team lead would record a video a welcome video um that the hire can just you know watch in their own time because maybe there's they are eight hours apart and just getting them on the same call would take too long so i think that is something great that we can learn from those fully distributed teams and bring that to those companies that now suddenly work remotely, um, you know, temporarily work remotely, whatever you want to call it, you know, have those work from home arrangements um, to make their processes better. Because those things are fantastic, right? If you have that video from the CEO, they, they do it once. And every new hire can watch that. Like, how good is that as a you know, a scalable process. Yeah, I think that would be brilliant, actually. Um, coming back, you, you mentioned Trello. Feel free. I very much encourage tools, tool sharing, knowledge sharing, resource sharing. Mm-hmm. sharing. Uh, I'll include everything that you mentioned in the show notes so people can use. Um, I always say it's not about the tools, but how we use them. But it's always ha- handy to have a, a selection of, of tools. Mm, one question that's on my mind, and I actually um, I've been very eager to ask it because I've worked with a number of organizations and something that's always on my mind, especially let's use the example of a tech sector um, where you need developers to join squads, to join teams and at different levels. And they are people with certain knowledge, certain skills. What is your advice in terms of who should be leading the onboarding in terms of what the onboarding should consist of? Is it um, in this case, tech developer led from the department that the person is mm-hmm. going to be working with, or is it from your side in HR? Mm, that's a really interesting question. Like we are not, in, like, I mean, as a company, right? Like we are, again, too small to like ha- even have an HR department. Um, we have a lot of people that are recruiters and HR experts. So uh, what we've seen is for, for those people to hold the strings and like oversee the process, I think is probably key because that's the kind of work that as a developer, you don't want to concern. Actually, developers are an interesting case. 
because they know if, if they're good at doing sprints, right, like something like a Trello board will be very intuitive to them and they would like love to build that probably. But HR can definitely take a lot of work off their hands just to make sure that all the right stakeholders are involved and from the and then kind of have those key elements like team culture, very specific tasks for that first day, first week, second week, have them assigned by um, the team lead or even a colleague. Because I think you're absolutely right. You know, there is a skill and knowledge transfer that HR cannot do, but they're very good at like building people processes, ideally, right? So I think that that could make sense to kind of have that going from, you know, we didn't even talk about hiring, right? Like they're in charge of the entire hiring process and, you know, like do that. They can, they can lead onboarding too. And then, you know, something that comes after onboarding because it's never over and we should always treat it as a process to learn from, you know, um, is what, you know, post-boarding, like feedback on the process. How did it go? Turn it into something that is up for debate um, that you can improve on. And that is something that, you know, as a cycle, if it's owned by one department or even one person, um, can be the most powerful thing. There are a lot of processes that get ignored um, when you've got a new person starting. And the more I think about it, I don't think there's one more crucial than onboarding because that just sets the tone for everything. Yep. And I always thought about it as onboarding as a whole, one word. thing. And now you've introduced me to pre-boarding <laughs> and post-boarding as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, that just opens up even further because that obviously improves the process. You mentioned recruitment. Uh, again, from my experience, I've seen... Uh, literally clashes and departments being at loggerheads of the department that wants the person to be hired and HR and they just could not it's just passing the book who should be doing what and tech sector or any sector that's specialized and highly skilled there's only certain parts that HR can handle they will require the you know the knowledge and the input from the from the the head of the department where the the new person is going to be working and especially when when you're working in tech sector and I think there has to be that bridge between the two uh, which so often is not there there's this huge debate and that's like definitely like a um a sidebar here you know to talk about what is HR? Shouldn't we call it people operations? Like this entire can of worms that is definitely there. Um, and I think onboarding falls very much into this because it is something that, as we said, right, like if it becomes um, a clear process that is um, scalable, you know, and repeatable, um, goes beyond like typical HR admin for sure. You know, you can turn it into like an agile process if you wanted that. Agile processes are, are useful, and we do have that uh, the ongoing debate. Is it people and culture? Is it HR? Is it God knows whatever else? What's your preference? Mm. What would you call it? Well, I, I do like people operations. Um, people operations and culture is also pretty good. I, maybe I'm partial to it because I know some really great um, leaders in that field that have exactly those titles, and I just know that they're at organizations that do this well. Um, and yeah, onboarding is one of those things, but rarely so- someone is called like an HR, like a human resources manager anymore. And ironically, you know, because we're speaking English now and like that's sort of like a, an international thing. There is still people in German medium sized businesses uh, working in HR that have a title that, you know, I barely understand because it's so old fashioned German. And that just speaks to also like how the processes there are lived. And those companies right now, we've seen like they struggle the most if they ask about how do we onboard someone straight into the home office? Like, you know, what are even the things? Uh, Germany's very much about um, 
employee protection, employee security, those kind of things, which I think is very good, you know, that you make sure that someone does not sit there with an ironing board trying to make it a standing desk, uh, but like actually adhere to like ergonomic standards and all those things. And that's usually what HR is concerned with. Um, and we're trying to like get them a step further and be like, hey, like you can, you know, onboard someone to your culture. Let's think about how to do that remotely. Um, and it is a very tailored process most of the time because we go in and we sort of like fill the gaps you know it's like oh this is completely missing um this you're already doing really well but it only works offline like how can we turn that into something that's online pick the simplest tool for them you know there's no quick fix no magic bullet but there's definitely tools that can just very easily make you transform something that worked offline to something that's online luckily thinking like example whiteboards you know like how many great whiteboard tools are there now to work Online. Exactly. It's not. It's not. As I continue saying, it's not the tools. It's just how you use them. There's so many available, um, and it tends to be the simple. The simpler, the better. That's yeah. just that. That's just how it works. Don't overcomplicate it. Just just start with the basics and build from there as you as you grow, as you learn, and as your company develops or your number of people who join remote remotely uh, increases in the organization. My aim with these uh, with these episodes and this podcast is to provide, um, I say, we, I mentioned magic bullet, not maybe magic bullet, but some sort of practical advice. So we've mentioned a number of things in terms of uh, pre-boarding, post-boarding, and importance of culture, and make sure the organization is prepared. Depending on the size of the organization, let's say on on kind of small to medium organization, what would you advise an organization who either is moving to remote uh, working and needs will have to onboard people, or has been forced into it as majority of organizations have been recently? What would you suggest? What steps would they what would you follow? Can you, is there any uh, sort of very simple process you could outline for us? Mm, yeah, actually, it's quite simple, and I mentioned it earlier um, already in in passing. Um, the companies that have onboarded people at offices, they know what an onboarding process looks like. So kind of think about what is the best possible process you can imagine for onboarding offline. Um, you know, kind of write down that process, identify all those aspects that are offline and do two things, either like what can be done online, you know, and the other one is what can you create offline in a home office? Very simple example send a package with stuff like you're probably going to send them their tech equipment anywhere right they're going to get their gear headphones laptop whatever they need to work with their account set up hopefully um but send some swag you know berlin is a, a startup city like we love swag here everyone wears like this the t-shirt with their you know company logo on it but even companies that are not techie not startupy, there's very simple things you could do you know sending a mug uh, I've seen like onboarding packages now that have like face masks and, you know, hand sanitizer in them and make it something funny. HR can think of stuff that's creative. What's important there is that when you send something physical, you make that person just like from a mental connection, you make it feel real for them because they don't have that feeling of like, I'm walking through the office door that first morning. I'm just going to sit down on a fresh chair. They're going to be in the same old living room. Um, you know suddenly starting a new job so make it new for them somehow have cupcakes delivered have like a breakfast package delivered all those things very easy to do um, have a big impact people are super happy uh, it's something that you can even do when you're not onboarding I think just as a general kind of thing as like bonding culture things very simple uh, people often don't think of that um, 
the next thing that I would do is to schedule casual meetings, right? Those are the things that, as I mentioned earlier, you walk into the office and you meet your colleagues just passing them in the hall, meeting them in the kitchen. Um, those things don't happen remotely, right? Like whether you're on Slack or you're on Twist or you're on like any of those, yes, you see the little um, you know, image of them, like maybe like a little Slack intro. But if you schedule those coffee meetings, very simple, you know, just like actually get a coffee and, and have a little conversation. Um, helps for people to like actually see the faces and connect them to whoever's writing there. Completely helps. Uh, number three, uh, again, depending on the size of the organization, we're too small for that. Bigger companies, I think it can be very useful. Buddy systems. It's something that, you know, companies do when they are um, offline or like in an office as well, you know, where you have your one person you're, that you can speak to. Um, remote, that's almost more important, I would say, because that person can like very easily tell you some things um, if you have a question. Finally, something that we've discovered uh, recently is co-working, something that we didn't do before. Right? Because we started remote, we're all quite independent, um, like our deep work phases, like our uh, individual and flexible working times. But companies that are used to having maybe two, three people in an office or even have like just the you know, open floor plan, everyone next to each other, um, their company culture and way of working is different. Right. So for them, it can actually be really useful to just have something open, whether it's an ongoing Zoom call or something that we've discovered is Tandem. I'm not sure if you've heard of that, probably. No. Can Tandem. you tell me more? Tandem is essentially like a co-working um, opportunity where you have like a, either just an open voice call or you have a video. And the cool thing is you can see what other people are working on indirectly. Right. Like you can see, OK, this person is in Slack right now. This person is in notion this person is in asana and you can click on it and you can jump to where they're working on so you can a little bit more transparent than just sitting next to someone um, but for those teams that would normally be with four people in an office and really miss that if they're not already doing it just do it a tandem and if you onboard a new person consider even if you don't do that bring them on a tandem and just have them listen on your calls because that's also how we learn in an onboarding process not sure if you've noticed that in your last office job I certainly did like I would listen to like my colleague like my first job I did business development and sales and I would listen to the other guy doing sales just doing his calls and like that would in like I wouldn't you know ask him anything but just from like listening in for a minute and like oh that's how he does it like that's how he answers this question I get so much and you learn so much more so long story short I think co-working can be incredibly powerful um, I acknowledge that it may be harder right now if you homeschool your children and they're in the background and like work is just a mess right now. Um, don't do it forever, but it is something that can be very powerful. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> you A lot of information, but I think the way I would describe it, you've just taken the whole topic and wrapped it in a nice paper and put a beautiful ribbon uh, on top of it in terms of what people should do, organizations should do and what process to follow. I think that is very useful the co-working aspect never heard of tandem definitely would, would definitely would recommend it because the the co-working, co-working element can be so so helpful the same as buddying up with with an existing member of staff that kind of wraps up that part of 
the show. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of follow up questions that I I like to I like to ask. I'm a big fan of learning from books and mm-hmm. also all types of self improvement, uh, any type of business psychology, anything like that. You name it. Uh, are there any books or a book that you would recommend? Ideally, in this this sphere that we've been talking about, if not necessarily, if there's anything else that comes to your mind that you think people would really really benefit from reading. Mm, that's interesting. And I listened to Stefan's episode that uh, I think came out today, uh, just before that. And he said, he, I don't have much time to read. And for me, it's kind of the same thing at the moment. And when I read, I don't necessarily read remote work content. Because like, that's what I live. I live in that bubble already. We're in the Next Step community. Like I get all that, like I get the download of that stuff all the time. So I try and like branch out and like read entirely different stuff. So right now I read a lot about leadership because um, I, I lead a team. Um, so for me, that's very interesting. Um, I think I need to what, write that book. What are you book. reading at the moment uh, for on, on leadership? Ah, uh, the name escapes me. I can I can give it to you for the show notes. Um, I I forget the name. They are kind of called the same too. I think that's the thing with like these, um, with these types of books. Um, yes, but I think the book about remote hiring is still missing. There's like a few like good handbooks and guidebooks that are pretty comprehensive. That TopTal put out something that's incredibly long. Um, our friends over at Close IO just released a sales guidebook that I can send you over. Like we contributed to that, or like how how to keep selling or how to lead remote sales teams or something like this, uh, which I think is quite useful. A lot of content out there. Um, probably podcasts. I think is what gives you the, the quickest download on topics if it needs to be quickly. So I appreciate that you're doing this. Um, and webinars, like we've been hosting tons of webinars. They're all recorded um, on specific topics. Onboarding is one of them. Um, I can I can send you that over, which is a little bit longer than what we did here. And uh, yeah, I, I think that the mix also makes the, the learning experience, right? Like different mediums, sometimes videos, sometimes audio, sometimes reading. I think later in the year, books on all things remote will start dropping on Amazon, uh-huh. uh, like a ton of bricks. Yeah. And I think that's it. It will, it will, because we've been forced into it, and as a result, we'll we have to learn and we have to adapt. And content in short form has has been left produced left, right, and center. In long form, I think it's it's coming. Uh, it, yeah, I would definitely I would definitely read a book if you produce it. So um, I, I can I can only ask and plead that you do create one and share it with us, uh, and we will definitely help promote it. Have you back on the show to talk all about that book? Uh, so that was the kind of the book, the resources. Any tools you mentioned, Tandem, Trello, anything else that you think people might be uh, might be good that they check out? Our all-time favorite tool is Notion because it is so versatile. So it, it can do a lot of things. It's not just onboarding for us, it's everything. It's our brain, kind of. Um, so I really love that one. We use Asana as well for task management. I think that's a pretty standard one in tech companies these days. And... Yeah, I mean, if you want to hire, like, check out the Acework platform. I guess that makes sense, right? <laughs> a little, a little bit of like self promotion. If you want to find talent, like, come find us. <laughs> Absolutely, that's the, going to be included as one of the, the top things in the show notes. So, for anyone who's interested to find out more about Acework, uh, you'll have a link there. That brings us to one final question. If people want to reach out to thank you for the awesome advice that you've given them today or have any questions or just want to connect and, and follow follow you and what you do, where can they find you? What's the best way? Um, I think the obvious one is LinkedIn, right? I think that's where all of us um, connect these days. 
Um, you can also ping me the Next Step community. I think that's also very easy. Like I check that. <laughs> it's on my Slack. Um, no, but definitely uh, LinkedIn is the best way to do it. In the connection request, please just mention why. Because that's my general rule. If someone like just hits like connect and doesn't tell me why, I decline. That's kind of my rule. <laughs> to keep the network strong. To keep the network strong. Yeah. I think that's a very good rule. I've been doing a lot of connecting over the past couple of months on LinkedIn and may always make it a, a rule of my own that I there's a reason uh, that I, I'm connecting with somebody. And sometimes, yeah. yeah, ideally, you want to have people in your network that are already connected to you somehow, but that's not always possible. So, yeah, just drop a note. And my guiding principle is just be human and try and build a connection. Don't sell. On LinkedIn, not so common anymore, by the way. Like... <laughs> that's a real problem right now it is it is difficult to build that connection and it just takes a while uh, i've had i've made some fantastic unbelievable connections in the last two months and the only slight regret i've got is that i haven't started doing it earlier uh, but it's been amazing it's been amazing to to meet people like yourself to connect through we connected from the next step uh, slack group which uh, is always in the show notes for anyone uh, there's a sh little short note about it at the end of the episode so you'll find out more and how to find us angelina it's been an absolute joy thank you very much yet again for taking the time out of your, your busy schedule um I would love to have you back on the show for other related topics. Uh, I think one that might be useful if you agree at some point is something that unfortunately a lot of companies will be going through, which is uh, letting people go. So, and their process of offboarding comes into place and how to do it correctly. So if it's something uh, that you would like to do, uh, let's discuss it off mic because I don't want to put you on the spot, um, <laughs> but it would be great to have you back to talk about that if, you, if you'd like. Anyway, yet again, thank you very much for coming on. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Tess. One more thing before you take off. Next Step Group offers premium level support across a diverse range of remote work issues, 24 hours a day and in multiple languages with experts in HR, legal, operations, tech, leadership and more. It's open to leaders looking for guidance, consultants and remote workers wanting to share their experience. You can join by visiting www.nextstep.group. This podcast is produced and hosted by Lech Guzowski from Human PM. Special thanks to the founders of the Next Step Group, Christina Barger, Jelaine Chan, Stefan Dorn and Matteo Grassi.